0: Alright right, guys, so we're in lesson 21 today, and remember I told you that uh, Micah can be divided into three speeches. The first speech was in uh, chapters 1 and 2. The second speech, which we're going to be looking at today, is in chapters 3 through 5. The final speech, which we'll look at next week, is chapters 6 and 7. And he always begins with each speech with a similar phrase which we're going to see that here in a moment. And again, I want to remind you that he is speaking to the southern kingdom. Now, he's living during a time when the northern kingdom is still in existence. He mentioned them in the first speech. Today, we're going to see him talking about the southern kingdom and the leaders of the southern kingdom. Uh, And it was during this time that, uh, that... the northern kingdom ceased to exist, but he also wants to point out to uh, to the southern kingdom, to Judah, that the same thing's going to happen to them later. Okay? So what I want you to do is we're going to look at each chapter. Let's look at chapter 3. I'll read it to you, and then we'll kind of go through it. We're going to see the judgment on the nation's leaders. Verse 1. And I said, "Here." you. You heads of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice? You who hate the, the good and love the evil. Who tear the skin from my people and their flesh from off their bones. Who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot like flesh in a cauldron. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time, because they have made their deeds evil. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing in their mouths. Therefore it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. And the, the seers shall be disgraced and the diviners put to shame. They shall cover their lips. They shall all cover their lips for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice, who make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because you, because of you, Zion, shall be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooden height. All right, so let's take a look at this. What we're going to see here is he's going to judge the nation's leaders. And I, and I said to you, this seems to be for the southern kingdom. I think he's probably also, because of the way he's saying house of Jacob, house of Israel, is for the northern kingdom as well. All right, so here's what he's doing. First of all, he's, he calls the nation's leaders to pay attention to what the Lord is saying. Okay, so again, pay attention. Here, okay, that's what he started out with verse in, in chapter 1 with. Here, okay, the Lord questions whether they should know what justice is and carry it out. So the first thing he asks them is, don't you guys go what, know what justice is? Don't you know what it is to do right? Okay, so he's questioning them as to the, do they know what is right? okay. Why? Well, because they hated what is good and loved evil. So he's asking that question because their actions are the exact opposite. They hated what was good and they loved evil. All right? The leaders used extreme violence against the people. So notice what he says here. When you read it, it kind of is cringeworthy because it kind of sounds like somebody's committing cannibalism, okay? Let me read it to you, okay? Uh, Who tear the skin from my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin off of them, break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. That's pretty gross, right? Okay? Okay? Sounds like cannibalism, but is he actually accusing them of cannibalism? No. So he's using basically a metaphor. He's using kind of a, like an illustration to kind of point out to the fact that they really are abusing the people. Do you know what I'm saying? That they're grinding them into the dust. They're stripping them of all that they have because as leaders, are they doing Right. No, no, they're exploiting the people, okay? So they're using extreme violence against the people to get what they want, all right, to get what they want. When they need to cry out to the Lord, though, he will not hear them. So because they are a Jewish nation and because the Lord is their God, and they would say that the Lord is their God, they're doing this evil, though, When they have a problem, and soon they will have a problem when the Assyrians come, the first natural reaction would be is to what? Cry out to God, save us! But the prophet is telling them, is God going to hear them? No, he's not going to pay attention to them. They haven't been doing right, okay? They haven't been doing right. So the next group that he kind of confronts here is the false prophets. Now, here's what the false prophets were doing. The false prophets became peace when they're receiving a prophet. So who... the pro, Well, it's kind of interesting. Prophet, so yeah, false prophet. They're doing it for what? Prophet, okay? So why when they're getting money from the people, they're proclaiming a great message. Peace. Yeah, telling them what they want to hear. That's right, Gene, okay? They're telling them what they want to hear. Now... They speak against those who personally don't benefit them. So it's kind of like they declare war now against, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a good message, Gene, because you just slipped me five bucks, but John says I ain't giving you nothing. Okay, and so I proclaim a message of doom on John. John, this is what's going to happen to you. You know what I'm saying? And why? Because he's not giving me He's not greasing the palm with, with bucks. Do you understand? Know what I'm saying? So he's de- they're declaring war. Obviously, I think it's a little bit more than just preaching against them. They were probably influencing people to attack them as well, okay? So these false prophets will receive no word from God through visions or divination. So God says, fine. This is the way you are. You're doing it for your personal profit. I'm not speaking to you. I'm not giving you visions. Divinations is a way that they would use to determine God's will. And he says, I'm not going to be telling you anything. It's going to be silence. In fact, they will be disgraced and put to shame. Now, how do you think they'll be disgraced? How does somebody who's proclaiming a message of peace, peace, peace... How will they ultimately be disgraced? Anybody got an idea? Well, yeah, because who's coming? The Assyrians, right? And so when the Assyrians come, they're coming to wipe things out. And let's say one of these dudes who's been saying, oh, God says, peace, peace, we'll be able to do it. What happens when they're being led away by a hook in the mouth? Do you think somebody's saying, I thought you said there was going to be peace? Didn't you say there was going to be peace? Yeah, sh- they would be shamed, right? They would be in disgrace. So, now, Micah, though, contrasts himself. And I think this is interesting. That when I was reading this, I thought, wow, here, here is a, here's a passage where the guy says he's filled with the Spirit. Okay? Where he's filled with the Spirit. Look with me at verse 8. But as for me, this is Micah speaking, I am filled with power and with the Spirit of the Lord. Okay? I I think that's one of the first times I've seen somebody say that in the Old Testament, okay? That this prophet is saying, I'm filled, okay? So here's what Micah is saying, okay? Micah, however, is filled with the Holy Spirit. And his power as he proclaims what? Judgment. Unlike these other guys who are just doing it for profit, he's actually doing it because the Lord is empowering him to do it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him, and he's pronouncing judgment, okay? So then in verses 9 to 12, he's going to be just talking to the leaders in general, okay? So. Here's what he does. He points out the evil that the nation's leaders engage in. So let's kind of go through verses 9 through 12, okay? He says, they make crooked all that is straight. What do you think that means? Okay, they're twisting things, okay? That's good, John. Anybody else? How, How do you twist things? Lie, okay, lying, okay, anybody else? They twist, they make, you know, they're bending what should be right, they're twisting it, right? Do we see that today? Okay, so what, What? so I mean culture, yeah, we're, we're, we're 2,000, well this would be 3,000 years later, okay? But the same type of human activity goes on. H- how do we do that? How do you make what's straight crooked? Okay, you call what's good, bad, and what's bad, good, okay? All right? You only tell half the truth for your benefit, or yeah, you definitely twist it, and like what your mom was saying, you lie about it, okay? All right, anybody else? Deception, okay? Deception is what uh, uh, Brian said. What were you saying there, Tim? Yeah, they tell people what they want to hear, but yet they do something completely different, okay? Boy, we, we, we know this, don't we? Okay, so let's look at the next one. That was verse 9. Verse 10 says, they give judgment for a bribe. Okay? Meaning they corrupt justice, right? Justice is corrupted, all right? The priests teach for a price. Now, what do you think that means? Okay, so we're not talking about false prophets now. We're talking about the priests or the religious leaders. They're only in it for what? For the money. Okay, only in it for the money. All right, what else do we see here? Okay, let's go on. The priests teach for a price. The prophets practice divination for money as well. So they're proclaiming this is the word of the Lord. For what? they might as well be called a medium, right? Isn't that what you go to a card reader or a tarot card reader or somebody who reads your palm is to, you know, to quote, give some kind of word? This is what these people are doing. They're doing it for money, okay? They're doing it for money. So these are the kind of evil things that are going on here. But here, here's the interesting thing. While they do evil, they proclaim that God is with them and that no disaster will come upon them. So do you think that's interesting? So here they are. They're doing all these wrong things, embracing all of these wrong things, not not even doing right anymore, exploiting the people, doing it all for funds, but yet they still think, at least they proclaim, God is with us. Yeah, they still say they're depending on God. Yeah. Yeah. Is it easy to be deceived? Do you see that kind of deception even today? Do people get deceived to think that God is with them, but yet they keep doing what's wrong completely? Okay. Well, you, got, you look you I'm like... Not, I'm, not, I'm not sure that they, they just probably don't care. Okay, they don't care. They just don't care. But yet they still think God is with them. Well, they act; they live like God's not with them, but if you're in a culture yeah, well, that is supposed to be the Lord is preeminent, well, do, you, do you understand you're going to what? Proclaim that he's, he's with us. It's going to be peace. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm yeah, so, yeah, it's okay I'm saved, okay? Uh, but do you think they're delusional? Do you think that these leaders are delusional here? Here they're engaging all these wrong things, and they think everything's going to be wonderful and great, right? Do you know what I'm saying? It's like they're, they're not living in the real world. Now, they can't be saved. You're right, uh, Brian. And I don't think they are. But there's a lot of people who think they are, but they use religious language, Right? And they think that, you know, maybe they were raised in church. Well, these folks would be raised from the beginning in the Jewish ways, the understanding of the law and so forth. But they were raised a certain way, and so they just keep propagating that. But th- then that makes sense later when you read in Matthew, where Jesus says that there will be that day many will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these great things in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Okay. I never knew you so it's very possible to have somebody who thinks they're okay but they're not you know what i'm saying they're not because it's interesting in that very same passage i think it's matthew 7 right before that he said a good tree can't bear bad fruit nor can a bad fruit tree bear good fruit by their fruit you shall know them so when you're looking at what these leaders were engaged in is it good fruit or bad fruit that's bad fruit. What does that reflect about where they're at? That's not good, and so they're going to face judgment, okay? They're going to face judgment. Go, right, Bruce? Yes. I think they did actually cast them out. Wouldn't that be a good fruit? Yeah, it might be a good fruit, but here's the thing. So we know that believers aren't the only ones who cast demons out. So when you go to the sons of Sceva, they were Jewish exorcists casting out demons. That was their job, okay? But in that one instance, you know, they're trying to cast them out in the name of Paul and, and of Jesus... And the, the the guy possessed by a demon beats them naked. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's very possible that people do those things, but maybe their motive in doing them are wrong. Okay? In that instance, those guys were doing it for, the, for bucks. Okay? I guess what I'm trying to say is those issues of casting out demons and doing these great things in your name doesn't necessarily mean you're where you should be. Because people can do good things and still be bad, right? Okay. When Jesus says, by their fruits you shall know them, I think he's making a general statement that you can kind of tell where people are at by what comes out of their lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because as I think about it, so I've been saved since 1985, so it's going to be close to, it's 38 years now. So I've met lots of folks, and I remember in the early years, when I was a new Christian, meeting folks who could answer Bible questions and and get up there and pray, whatever, but be some of the meanest people in the church, or the most corrupt businessman, Christian businessman there was. And that, I think, reflects more where they're at than whether or not they answer Bible questions or not, or pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, I don't know. It's that, I think, I think sometimes, and maybe I made a mistake, Bruce, in communicating that it's easy. But it's not easy to know where people are at. Right, you have to dig deep. Yes, you have to observe them. You have to see. In the past couple of years, there's been a couple of different pastors now that I would have listened to and heard their sermons and thought, well, this guy's good. And then then find out in their personal life they're not so good. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's, you know, I've, my bookshelf is decreasing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. because there's guys that I'm taking off, and I'm not even going to give it to Goodwill because why? Why should anybody read this guy? It wasn't real. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And then suddenly it comes out after they pass away, and they weren't such good guys. Yes. Yes. Yep. That's exactly right. Yep. Anybody? I see some confused looks. Anybody else got a question there? Okay, so he's telling them that, you know, here's the reality. They think that God's with them, but they're not. But here's what's going to happen. Because of the leaders and their sins, the nation and Jerusalem will be destroyed. This is the reality. Judgment is coming. You know, he's saying, I'm filled with the power of God. I'm telling you what's happening. Judgment's going to come. And when he points it out here, let me just kind of point out to you. When you look at verse 12, therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed as a field. Okay, so again, he's trying to use an illustration here. It's like it's like turning over a field with a plow, okay? He goes on and says, Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, And then the mountain of the house, a wooded height. Now, does anybody know what he's talking about when he says the mountain of the house? Anybody got a guess? Yes, where the temple is. Yeah, the temple mount. Where the temple is, which would be Solomon's temple in all of its grandeur, he said it's going to become... A wooded height. What do you think that means? A wooded height. Well, not just a pile of wood, but have you ever you ever been around here? And you've been like, there's there's all kinds of different places here in PA where there used to be a building, and you still you still see the concrete structure there, and it looks like it's been abandoned for thirty years or something. Especially if you go around to some of these old coal mines, okay and some of their buildings and then you look in the midst of the building what's growing in the midst of the building yeah nature a tree Did you know what I'm saying trees popped up there poplars mostly you know what I'm saying and uh, you know so he's saying that the mount of the temple is going to become a what a wooded height it's going to be just filled with trees why because it's going to be gone So this is the judgment. He's saying, because of your sins, the nation, the city, the temple are going to be gone. Okay? They're going to be gone. So then that brings us to chapter 4. Okay? And chapter 5. And he's going to talk about kingdom blessings. This is why I entitled the lesson, Judgment and Blessing. Because now he's going to talk about blessings. Now, remember I told you that whenever he gives a judgment, whenever the prophets give a judgment, they almost always follow up with some sort of what? Promise, right? Promise of restoration, okay? This section is, he's going way beyond. He's almost like Isaiah now. He's actually going to talk about kingdom blessings. Future kingdom blessings. And so, when he talks about future kingdom blessings, what do you think he's talking about? What kingdom is he talking about? What's the future kingdom? Yeah, the the millennial kingdom. Yeah, the millennial kingdom that Jesus comes and established for a thousand years. So Micah is going to make reference with these prophecies here to the future king. So And you'll know it's him because one of the first things he says is where this king will come from. Okay? So let's take a look at it. We'll kind of go down through these. Not read it all at once, but we'll go down through it together. Look with me at verses 1 to 8. And it shall come to pass in the latter days. That should be a, a sign to you that this is what's happening way in the future, okay, in the latter days, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it. All right, so let's take a look here. First of all, in the latter days, the Lord will reestablish Israel as a kingdom. Now, first of all, guys, Israel exists today, right? Is it a kingdom, though? No, it's just a nation. And does it have all of Israel? No, that's what the big brouhaha is continually over there, right? Okay, so the world will come to Israel and seek the Lord and his instruction. Now, do you see that taking place today? I mean, I know there's pilgrims that go there, okay, to bring tourism there. But really, does the world really show up at Israel like it's the center of the universe? No, 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 not at all. They go to New York. So um, the law and God's word will proceed from Jerusalem as he judges the nation's disputes. Now this is interesting. When you look here, it says that, verse three, and he shall judge between many peoples and he shall decide disputes for strong nations Far away, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation; neither shall they learn war any more. Is that now? No, not at all, right? But Jesus is going to be the King. This King is going to settle disputes among nations. Okay, so the weapons of war will be eliminated, as peace will reign. Okay, and we know that from Revelation. What? That it'll be a thousand years of what? Peace. Okay? A thousand years of peace. Israel will live in accordance with God's word and walk with the Lord. So they're gonna they're gonna live in accordance with God's word and walk with the Lord. Okay? Now Israel will be strong, and the Lord himself will rule over the nation. Okay? They're going to move for right now. They're a democracy, a form of democracy, but that's not going to exist in the future because the ruler will be the king. Now, here's what happens. Now, before this will take place, he's going to list for us from verses 9 up to chapter 5, verse 1, some events that have to take place first, okay? Some events that have to take place. So when you look at verse 9, he says, now why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished? That pain seized you like a woman in labor? Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country and you shall go to babylon there you shall be rescued there the lord will redeem you and from the hand of your from the hand of your enemies all right so what's going on here well what i want you to see here is this the nation will be carried away into exile to babylon now at this point in history Who's the world power right now? When you look at Israel, Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom, who's the one that they're scared of? I hear the Assyrians, right? Okay. Now, if you look at our world today, who is who is somebody that we're concerned about? Who are somebodies that we're concerned about? Russia, China. Okay. All right. All right, so those would be nations that we would be concerned about, okay? So what's a nation that we're not concerned about? All right, England, though that's an ally, okay? All right, well, let me see here. Would you be concerned about Bolivia? You guys concerned about Bolivia attacking us? Okay. Why, why are you not concerned about Bolivia? What? You mean militarily? Yeah. I'm sure they have a military, but it's no no way it's going to stand up to us, right? Okay. All right. So what I want you to think of is, okay, think you're in the time of this prophet. The big bad dude on the horizon is Assyria. But here he's saying you're going to be judged and you're going to be carried away to Babylon. Babylon at that point was very insignificant, that would be like saying the big bad dudes now are China and, uh, and Russia. But in the future, you need to be, be aware you're going into exile to Bolivia. What would you say to that if you were listening to that today? Oh, that person needs help. You're like, yeah, really, right? Yeah, you know, it's the Assyrians, not the Babylonians, right? So this is what he's saying. He's saying before this kingdom could take place, Here's some things that have to take place. So he's telling them, because you're going to be going away in exile to Babylon. And we know that they did, all right? Ultimately, the nation will be redeemed by the Lord from exile in Babylon. So the next thing that happens is, is yes, you're going to go away, but the Lord's going to redeem you from that exile, okay? The Lord's going to redeem you from that exile. All right, here's another one. Look with me at... uh, Verse 11, now many nations are assembled against you, saying, let her be defiled, let our eyes gaze upon Zion. All right, so what's happening here? Well, Israel will be defiled as the nations will gather against Jerusalem. Now, has that taken place? Has Jerusalem been defeated by the nations? Yeah, it has. Yeah. Different nations throughout the centuries. We're talking about before the kingdom. No, no, this is not talking about the tribulation. This is talking about events before the kingdom comes. These are events that will take place. So the first event that he talks about is the exile to Babylon and the redemption from Babylon. Now, he says, the nations will say, let us take, take her and defile her. Has, through the centuries, would you agree that Jerusalem has been taken numerous times by different invading armies? Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, the British have been there. Before the British, the Turks were there. Before that, there were many others. The Turks were like several hundred years with the Ottoman Empire. But before that we had the Crusades, the Europeans were there, the Arabs were there. I mean, it has been multiple times under multiple what? Nations, right? That's why if you go to Jerusalem, it's, you're not just going and seeing a Jewish city, you're going to a city that you can also see history from through the centuries of the various invaders who were there. All right? So he's saying here Israel will be defiled by the nations that will gather what, that, as the nations gather against Jerusalem, okay? Now let's go on. The nations will be destroyed when the Lord gathers them as sheaves broken in a threshing floor. So again, he's trying to, when you take a sheaf into the threshing floor, what do you do? You break it to get to the grain. So he's saying they're going to be destroyed. Now when will that take place? When will God just wipe out all the nations? What'd you say, Tim? Yeah, at the end, Revelation chapter 19. And will it be a big fight? Yeah, because he just will what? With the sword of his mouth will speak the word and what? That'll be it, okay? So this has all got to take place beforehand. All right, and the ruler of Israel, one of the other things is is that the ruler of Israel will be struck on the cheek with a rod. What do you think that refers to? Scholars are really divided as to what that means. This is one of the things that has to take place before the kingdom comes. The ruler of Israel has to be struck on his cheek. I see smiles. Nobody wants to venture out. Don't worry. There's lots of different answers. Okay. Well, here's what most scholars think it is. They think it's Jesus at the crucifixion. That that had to take place. That the prophet is prophesying. And now, would the people there listening would they have had any clue what he was talking about? No. But we can look back and see that the ruler had to be struck. Okay. Had to be struck. Well, they think it might be one of the kings, like the king of uh, the king who was the king when the Babylonians came, he was captured and then executed. Do you know what I'm saying? They think it might be him. Eh, I don't know. I mean, really what he he really makes a point here to say about this ruler. But then he goes on in the very next thing it tells you where the ruler comes from. Okay? So let's talk about the next point. How do we know this is all future? Okay. Look with me at verse 2. Okay. Verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphrita, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Does that sound familiar to you guys? Have you heard that prophecy before? What's it prophesying here? Yeah, where Jesus, where the ruler would be born, and where is he supposed to be born? Bethlehem. Now, who was that? Jesus. Okay, so let's go on here. So the ruler of the kingdom, out of Bethlehem will come a ruler whose origins are from ancient times. Now that is an interesting thing. So you're not just talking about a baby, okay? We're talking about a special baby who's from what? Ancient times. That talks about one who's always existed, right? Okay, let's go on. He will lead his people to return and will restore them as a nation. When Jesus comes the second time, he will what? Lead his people to return to where? Because Jews are where everywhere right now, all over the world. He'll lead them to return to, to Israel and restore them as a nation. He will care for his people as a shepherd and give them security. So as a shepherd would care for his flock, he's going to care for his people, and he's going to provide them security. He will destroy the enemies of Israel and eliminate Israel's need for military power. Israel, the new kingdom, there isn't going to be an army. Israel's not going to have to worry about, right now Israel buys some of the, they develop and buy some of the most sophisticated weapons in the world. Why? Why? because they got to defend themselves against who? Everybody else, right? Okay, there isn't going to be a need for that when Jesus comes. He will destroy false worship from Israel. Now, would you say this has been a reoccurring problem with Israel since the beginning? Yeah, have they ever been able to overcome it? No, I mean from the beginning, when they were leaving in the wilderness, some of them were worshiping the goat gods. Okay? All the way, even up to the day, are all Jews practicing religious Orthodox? No. They worship there's a lot of them that engage in what? Other things, right? But when Jesus comes, when the Messiah comes, when this ruler comes. He will destroy false worship from Israel. And here's the other thing. The nations who refuse to obey the Lord will suffer God's anger and wrath. I think it's Isaiah that tells us that some nations will refuse to come up and give tribute when they need to. And the Lord will bring them a drought you know, you know what I'm saying? We'll strike them, punish them for not giving what they the honor that they should do. And so, the nations who disobey the Lord will be punished very sincerely. Not sincerely. I think it is sincere, but uh, severely. Yeah, severely. Wow. Okay. All right. That's that. Next week we're going to get into the final speech.